I'm Kate Daniels. October has arrived, and with it comes Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Making Strides Against Breast Cancer is celebrating its 30th anniversary. It's a celebration because while there are nearly 300,000 people diagnosed with breast cancer this year alone, there are nearly 4 million breast cancer survivors living in the U.S. today. Aubrey Zoli is the Senior Development Manager with the American Cancer Society here in Seattle, and she's here to tell us how we can be part of the answer in breast cancer awareness and survival, and that's with participating in Making Strides Against Breast Cancer. Aubrey Zoli, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Kate. Well, I am very happy that we can make this connection, happy that we're able to have this conversation. It's about a challenging subject, and that's breast cancer. But the good side of it is that uh, we're doing all these things, all these events, all the fundraising in order to really uh, put a crimp into that cancer stuff. So, um, And that's because October, here we are, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, right? Yes, correct. Ready to be pink. Yes, exactly. Isn't that a fun thing to do? And there's so many wonderful ways that we can do it. One of the big things, of course, we want to focus on first off is the fact that there's a big fundraising event, which is Making Strides for Breast Cancer, right? That's correct. We are really excited to have our events this year annually. We have three different events in the Puget Sound area. I'm with Making Strides Against Breast Cancer of Seattle, and that event is taking place on Saturday, October the 22nd at Gasworks Park. So here we are with some weeks to go, and what's the big thing? Teams, I think, is a, an element of it, right? Getting together a team and walking together and fundraising together. Correct. Yeah, Making Strides is a non-competitive, meaning there's it's not a race, it's a walk. So it's a non-competitive, family-friendly event that brings together breast cancer survivors, thrivers, who are those that are living with metastatic breast cancer, caregivers, families. And we also have folks that are joining us that maybe have lost someone to breast cancer. And it's an opportunity for those in our community to come together and celebrate the survivors, honor those who have battled breast cancer, and for our events at, in Seattle, we start at Gasworks Park and we walk into downtown Fremont and then loop back into Gasworks Park. We actually have a Bark for Breast Cancer doggy costume contest. So our event is dog friendly. We encourage folks to bring their furry friends and dress them up, up in pink. And then we have a little doggy costume contest at the end of our event. There's no registration fee for our event. We want to make sure that it's accessible to all folks. Of course, it is a fundraising event. So we do encourage people to register and try to fundraise with their teams. And actually, you know, there's an aspect of doing it that way, of fundraising with a team, uh, because maybe there is a hardship, which given the times, we know that hardships exist. But there's a way with the fundraising. I've seen people say, oh, it's like my birthday or simply, you know, I want to make this hugely successful. Would you participate in supporting me to do this and even join me to walk? So there's a way to do it that's really a win-win. Absolutely. And there's we have so many different resources available to our constituents once they sign up to help them with their fundraising. And 
One of the best parts of my job is working with our different participants for their creative fundraising ideas that they come up with and different ways that they fundraise. We try to make it as easy as possible. Once you sign up, you actually get your own personal website that you can customize with a photograph, with your story of your why you're participating. You can customize your URL or your web link so that you can share that easily with folks. You can actually email people right through your dashboard, so you can upload a contact list and then email folks right from there. And you can also connect a Facebook fundraiser, which is super convenient. As you, like you mentioned, birthdays, that's a really common one that folks will do on their birthdays. They'll encourage folks to donate through a Facebook fundraiser to their Making Strides event. And we've seen folks be really successful. Actually, our participants who fundraise with Facebook raise seven times more than those that don't. But we've seen a variety of ideas. People do car washes, bake sales. We've had folks put on um, you know, their own little silent auction. We've had folks just, if they have an employer that will allow them to put out some kind of collection jar, they've done that that way. And also just working with their employer, whether that be through getting a matching gift or asking if they're able to solicit funds from other staff. So we work really closely with our constituents to help them come up with different ways to fundraise. And it is a lot of fun. Yeah. So in order to do that, what are the steps we need to take? So the first step is to go to our website, which is simply makingstrideswalk.org forward slash Seattle Law for Washington. And you can click right on the sign up button. Our registration process takes less than 30 seconds. You just enter in your contact information and then you will have access to your personal website where you can update your goal. You can, like I mentioned, put up a picture and edit your why if you're doing the event. Um, you can sign up as a team and then invite others to join your team, but you can also sign up as an individual. You don't have to do it with other people, although we know it's certainly more fun to do it with other folks. But you can start a team and then you can invite your friends and family and they can join your team. And then collectively as a group, you all get your own individual dashboards that show your individual fundraising and then they all funnel into your team page. And so you can set a goal as a team of say $10,000 and everyone on your team is gonna try to raise you know, $1,000. And then you can always change that goal, which we certainly encourage people to do because once you hit that goal, we wanna see you increase it because folks are more likely to continue donating when you haven't hit your goal yet. So that's that is great. When we have such success, we've reached the goal. Oh my goodness! I guess we didn't set it quite high enough. Exactly. And you know the funny thing with it with fundraising is a lot of folks are they have trouble asking for money. It's a really common thing. I've been doing fundraising in peer to peer events for almost twenty years now, and I hear it all the time that oh, I don't like asking for money. And what I always tell people is remind yourself of why you're here. Our mission at the end of the day is to save more lives from breast cancer. And we're doing that through the American Cancer Society with research, with patient programs and services, with our advocacy work that we do, especially around health equity and making sure that people have equal access to care. So we try to arm our participants with as much information as we can about our mission so that when they're out there asking for donations, they know that they're asking for them for a good cause. Precisely. That makes such a world of difference. It's not like, oh, could you just give me some money or loan me some money? No, this, the purpose behind it, because I think all of us, without question, I'm sure each and every one of us can really relate to having been touched by breast cancer, either personally or by having a friend or family member affected. 
absolutely. One thing, you know, with COVID especially, we saw a drastic decline in our cancer screenings, which is something that we're really trying to make up for. Because of the pandemic, a lot of people missed out on their appointments. So we're actually looking at a significant increase, about 10,000 additional deaths to cancer because of people missing their screenings during the pandemic, and especially with breast and um, colon cancer. And so we're really encouraging folks to get out there, schedule their, their appointments if they've missed them. So if you're listening to this now and you haven't scheduled your mammogram, do it now. Early detection does save lives. And so that's another piece of what we do with our event is not just raise money, but also raise that awareness because, you know, cancer opportunities are much more successful for treatment when people have that early detection. And so that's another really big part of what we do. And like you mentioned, most people have been affected by some cancer in their life. Breast cancer finally has surpassed lung cancer, actually, as the number one um, diagnosed cancer for women. And that, that just happened last year. Um, in 2021. And so we really want folks to realize that cancer is affecting a lot of people, but really keeping charge of your own body, making sure that you're getting your screenings when it's necessary, really increases your chances of fighting that once you've been diagnosed or if you get diagnosed. And that just underscores the reason that it's so important to participate in making strides against breast cancer in some shape or form. The fundraising, of course, being part of it, particularly when we hear that that cancer rate is not going down yet. It's still on the rise. So we need to keep doing the research and getting the education out there so we can really put the brakes on it. Absolutely. And one thing to note is a lot of people don't realize, but the American Cancer Society is actually the number two funder of cancer research, second only to the U.S. government. And so it is the cause that we support with Making Strides and the money that goes to the American Cancer Society from our events is really making an impact on cancer in our world as we know it. And like you said, it's not done. We still have a lot of work to do. And, and while the death rates from cancers have gone down because of our you know, treatment options, our, our instances of cancer are going up. And so we have a lot of work to do with raising awareness, with research. Um, and another thing to note is the other, uh, the other things that we provide with the American Cancer Society besides research is we actually have tangible programs that we have for people that are going through cancer. One of the biggest things that we provide is our Road to Recovery program, which actually is similar to an Uber or a Lyft, but it gives people rides to their cancer treatments. And so that's something that's really important because if you live in an area where maybe you don't have a vehicle and you can't get to your appointments or you don't have a caregiver support system and you can't drive yourself to your, you know, your chemotherapy because, um, you know, you don't feel well enough to do that. We actually have our Road to Recovery program, which we're very excited. We just relaunched here in the Washington area. It was on hold because of covid um, and so we're really excited that we just relaunched that. That's a completely volunteer-manned program. We have volunteer drivers that sign up to transport patients. We also have housing opportunities for people that maybe have to travel out of town. And so we have relationships with hotel partners as well as our own Hope Lodges. So there's lots of programs that are out there. And all of the money that people are raising through these Making Strides events are helping to fund those programs in addition to research. So there's another element here, too, of a way to participate uh, when you say it's all volunteer driven in terms of road to recovery, that you probably do continue to have a need for people who will volunteer time and their vehicle to take someone to an appointment. 
Absolutely. Volunteers are the backbone of the American Cancer Society. We are very proud that we are over 1 million strong in our volunteers. We could not do what we do without them. We do need volunteers for our walks as well. And so if you're interested in helping out in that way, you can also visit our website for Making Strides. And we need volunteers for setup the day before the walk, and we need volunteers the day of the walk. We also have volunteerism opportunities throughout the year at events. We also have our American Cancer Society Cancer Action Network, which is the legislative branch of the American Cancer Society. We just had a group that was out in Washington, D.C. this past week doing some advocacy work. And so there's opportunities if you're, you know, politically passionate and you want to get involved in healthcare. Um, and, you know, working on health advocacy, then that's something that we can get you connected with. So you can always check out our volunteer community, um, which has lots of different opportunities for volunteers. And that, that website is just volunteercommunity.cancer.org. And I expect that there would be a great outpouring of help in this area because I think even just recently I was reading that our area in the Puget Sound still, and I think maybe it might even be Washington State, is really huge in terms of volunteerism that we really uh, believe very strongly in that and that we definitely get involved. Absolutely. That's incredibly true. And part of that, too, is because we have a lot of companies here that also support and encourage volunteerism and philanthropic opportunity within their company. So, for example, companies like Kohl's and Microsoft, they actually pay for the volunteers. So if their employees volunteer at events, they will actually pay the nonprofit money for their employees being a part of the event. And so that's another way for those companies to support and be involved. And so check with your employer and see if they have any sort of, you know, volunteer incentive program to help out a nonprofit that you're passionate about, or just see, you know, if they'll give you time off of work. We know a lot of companies do that as a way to encourage employee morale. They actually give employees time off of work so that they can volunteer at various nonprofits, organize a volunteer activity within your, you know, your office. And that's a great way to do a team building activity. So yes, we love our volunteers. They are absolutely the backbone of what we do. And we're very fortunate to be in an area that really emphasizes and highlights the importance of volunteerism. Absolutely. We are really fortunate in that regard. We also are fortunate in that there is a lot of research that goes on uh, in this area. We have a, a lot of the science companies, the tech companies that do the research for cancer screenings, for the awareness, for for the treatments and that sort of thing. So uh, being in this location, we really can reap a lot of benefits that way. Absolutely. We've, you know, we've talked, unfortunately, when you get diagnosed with cancer, it's a really scary situation. But, you know, we've talked with our constituents about if you live in this area, you're really fortunate because we have a lot of incredible cancer um, movers and shakers that are doing top edge research right here in our backyard. We have people that travel from all over the world to come to Seattle to be a part of the different hospitals and medical facilities out here. One of our big partners for many of our events, including our Making Strides Walk, is the Fred Hutch Cancer Center and Seattle Cancer Care Alliance and the University of Washington Medicine. They're a huge supporter of a lot of our American Cancer Society events, and they are one of the top, you know, treatment facilities in the entire country, and people come here from all over to get care through them. So we partner with all of those different hospital partners in the area through our cancer support team and really work to try to get people connected with the right care. 
And so there again, it's kind of this really wonderful way that the circle evolves, I guess, because as you mentioned earlier, Aubrey, that the American Cancer Society is one of the biggest funders of cancer research. So those dollars do come back into the community for the research. Absolutely. We actually have on our website, which you can always go to um, to learn more about the American Cancer Society in general, but on our our cancer.org website, we break down what our research is, what we're funding right now, and where that is going. And so you can actually break it down even by state, and you can see exactly in Washington, what are our current funded grants? How much money is currently in Washington? You know, I can tell you that we have 14 research grants being funded right now in the state of Washington that total over $7 million. And so there's a lot of money that's actually locally here, right here in Washington. And you can take a look at all of the different research grants um, that are currently being funded in our state. Wow, that is so incredible, where we can see the actual outcome of what we're doing. We can go out and do a stride, take the the making strides against breast cancer. And that and the fundraising goes into the research, comes back to help the people, which might be ourselves, which might be someone just uh, in the cubicle next to us. We never know, but what a difference it makes. Right. And something that, you know, can touch the lives of every single person, no matter where they live, is we have an 800 number through the American Cancer Society that is 24-7-365. And that number is something that anyone can call, whether they are someone who's been newly diagnosed, whether they're the caregiver of somebody. Um, I've actually utilized our 800 number to get some more information about things that I didn't know about. Um, And so our operators are there to help connect folks with questions and answer the, you know, answer the tough questions or just even be a voice to talk to. I cannot tell you how many of our constituents that say, I can't sleep at three o'clock in the morning. My mind is racing. And I called the 800 number and it was just so great to talk to somebody. And that's something that's always available to anybody, no matter where you live. And that number is listed right on our cancer.org website. Great. So that's a good other resource that we need to know about to take advantage of. And so in terms of other services, it seems to me, thinking to some years back, that there was also a traveling screening opportunity for women who are either in outlying areas or just have a challenge with the cost of mammogram screening. Absolutely. The American Cancer Society, we don't have those ourselves, but we do work with our partners. For example, the Seattle Cancer Care Alliance, they have what they call their MAMO vans that are traveling mammography centers that go around to various places. We actually are working with the Fred Hutch Cancer Center. We just recently started um, a rural grant where we're going to be working in those rural communities. So the American Cancer Society is working with Fred Hutch to fund a grant to get into our rural communities to make sure that those folks do have access to care. Like you were saying, if they live far away from a screening center, that's certainly going to decrease the chances of them going to get those screenings. So that is something that is definitely important work, and we work alongside those medical um, offices and facilities that do provide those mobile mammography centers. That is so, so important because there can be such obstacles to getting a screening, which is like really ground zero in terms of being able to have early detection. But if we have to take an entire day off work, that might be just time prohibitive, or we might have childcare issues involved with it. There's so many reasons. So if you can bring that mobile unit right to someone's 
backyard, essentially. What a difference that makes. Absolutely. There's a statement that we say often and that your zip code is more important than your genetic code when it comes to a cancer diagnosis because where people live absolutely affects their ability to seek treatment. And so that's another side of what we do on our ACS CAN and our advocacy is making sure that people have equitable, not equal, but equitable access to care because people live in different areas and their options for treatment vary. Their abilities to get to treatment vary. Um, and so like you were mentioning with ability to get to things, that's another reason our road to recovery um, you know, service is important that people can have access to those rides to treatments um, and to checkups and things like that. But working together with those different medical partners to make sure that everyone has access to care is really a top priority of the American Cancer Society. And when you think about any of those particular programs, Aubrey, does um, have you had any kind of feedback from someone who's been the recipient, been able to take advantage of it and what it has meant to them? Absolutely. I'm. That's probably the best part of my job is that every time, you know, a new team signs up for our walk, I call a new constituent and I talk to them. And if I'm, you know, able to not get their voicemail and actually talk to them, I will ask them their story and I will tell them, you know, they'll tell me what brought them to strides. And I love hearing those stories of them saying, well, I, you know, I got diagnosed and I went to your website and that was where I learned a lot of things and I was really confused and I called the 800 number or I used your road to recovery program. Um, We have our TLC program as well, which helps to provide mastectomy products as well as wigs. And I've got several of my constituents who have used those services over the years. So that's really the best part of my job is hearing those direct ways that the programs and the services that we offer with the American Cancer Society have directly contributed to making the cancer journey of those that are a part of our events better. It just is really so all-encompassing in terms of our being able to participate and fundraise and support this incredible work of the American Cancer Society because it it just as you're sharing with us Aubrey it's it touches on so many different aspects of what goes on in terms of someone having a diagnosis and what's needed from you know from the initial screening and that early detection to potentially having to go through treatments and uh, surgery and then like the TLC, the support, the the comfort that's given at that point. It, it's amazing how all-encompassing it is. Absolutely. And that's why we call it a journey. You know, it, it starts from the day that you're diagnosed and, and it doesn't end once you, you know, get to ring that bell when you're done with your chemo treatments. You know, we have programs available for our cancer survivor network, and it's kind of the, well, what happens next? I've survived cancer, but what happens next? We have an opportunity or a place where caregivers can connect because we can't forget about our incredible caregivers who are taking care of patients that are going through cancer. And I always tell people, you know, yes, we're a walk for making strides, but we're more than a walk. We are a movement. We are a community. We are, it's not just you come and you walk and that's it. We really try to keep you connected to the American Cancer Society and the mission so that you feel empowered and inspired to continue fundraising for us because you believe in the work that we're doing. And to come in contact on the day of with so many of the women, and there I'm sure are some men, who are the survivors to show, to demonstrate, like, you can beat this. It's possible. And this is how we share those stories and how we did it. 
Yeah, we actually have at our event, we have our Path of Hope, which we highlight all of the survivors in our community, and they submit photographs and their stories so that other people that are coming to the event, maybe they're going through treatment, they can sort of see these are the faces on the other side. We also have an opportunity to honor those that have lost their battle to breast cancer. You know, we had a very um, personal connection to that earlier this year. One of our lead volunteers who had battled metastatic breast cancer for over 10 years passed away in April. Um, you know, she got 10 additional years of life after her metastatic diagnosis, after she had beat it the first time, um, but because of the treatments and things that she went through. And so we had a very personal loss this year in our community. And um, you know, we want to honor her this year, as well as the many other lives that have been lost to breast cancer. And so it's an opportunity at the event for folks to come together and celebrate those survivors and also honor those that they have lost. And that is the reality that various kinds of cancers can have that terminal diagnosis. But when you say that this woman had 10 additional years of life because of all the research and the treatments that are available, that's that's significant, a decade. It's pretty, yes, and pretty incredible. She battled breast cancer for two years, and after two years, um, it had metastasized. And so her daughter was only a few months old when she got diagnosed initially, and so her daughter was 11 when she passed away, and so she got those additional years with her daughter. And, you know, her story she was such an inspiration in our community. We were thankful enough to be able to honor her last year with a achievement award because she had raised over $50,000 in her time with the American Cancer Society. Um, her name was Liza Yor. She was an incredible person in our community, and we miss her dearly. And what an incredible person uh, whose life really has made a difference Yes, physically it's ended, but but that memory and that energy certainly is shaping her daughter and has obviously impacted you and, and anyone else who came into contact with her. Absolutely. I mean, she is the definition of a fighter because there are so many people that came and went during her 10 years that she was able to meet and inspire and that's kind of at the end, she said, this is the reason I keep doing this every year is just because there's always somebody else that comes up to me and has their story to tell. And, you know, she was just such an inspiration to, to, to so many people. And that's really what this event is about is bringing that, that community together and those people who, you know, when you're diagnosed with cancer, it can be a really lonely place. And you might be with people who they don't really understand what you're going through. Your friends, your friends and family want to be supportive, but they don't necessarily know what you're going through. And so that's another part of our community is connecting with other people who have gone through what you've gone through. We actually have a program called Reach to Recovery that connects breast cancer survivors with those that are newly diagnosed because it's a really scary place when you first get diagnosed. And so that's another part of our community that we offer is just those relationships and the opportunity to build those, those friendships um, in a time when it can be really, really scary. And so here's our opportunity. You've just given us such a wealth of information and so many things to think about, but also act on because wow, this is like its own whole community, a whole world that we can help to support and and continue giving good, better health to people. So uh, making the arrangements to participate in making strides against breast cancer. 
Yes, you can go to our website. Again, it's makingstrideswalk.org forward slash Seattle WA, and you can register and come walk with us on Saturday, October 22nd at Gasworks Park. And so when exactly will it start that morning? So our registration opens at 8.30 a.m., We have about an hour or so to enjoy the various, we have incredible sponsors that are a part of our event and they have a variety of fun activities that you can explore during the event. We also have a photo booth. Um, We have a big pink chair, which is kind of like a big bouncy house that you can take pictures in with your entire team. And it fits about five to six adults comfortably. Um, We have our Hope Garden where you can dedicate a ribbon to somebody that you know that's been affected by breast cancer. We have a whole tent that's for our survivors where you can pop in and get some good pastries and a little goodie bag. Um, And we have a variety of other activities happening. And then about 930, we do our pre-walk stretch. We start our ceremony at 940. We open up the route at 10 a.m. And most of our folks are back by about 1045, 11. We have our Bark for Breast Cancer Doggy Costume Contest at 11. And then we wrap up the event at 1130. So a perfect way to spend a morning. Absolutely. And then you can head into downtown Fremont, um, explore some of the local businesses. We've got a few shops that will be doing some fun promo fundraisers for us after the walk. So can kind of come and plan to make a day of it in the Fremont neighborhood. Oh, that is sounds like really the ideal thing. So Saturday, October 22nd, be at Gasworks Park. But in the meantime, set up your team on the website. Absolutely. Right? Yep. Yeah. Make sure to register your team. You can't show up the day of, but you'll get a lot more out of it if you can sign up early um, and help us raise the money for breast cancer. Exactly. Well, Aubrey Zoli, you are just such a a breath of information and full of such energy. I'm so grateful that we've had this time to connect and share this invaluable information with all of our listeners and, and that we all get out and make those strides. Thank you so much, Kate.